And welcome back to Drag Time with Hecalina. I can't believe we're already at episode 21. Uh, today, we're excited to bring you somebody very special. Before we do that, I want to say thank you for the tips. Thanks for re- reviewing our show on Apple Podcasts and checking us out on dragtimewithhecalina.com. That's where you can find more info about how to support the show, including links to tip Drag Time with Hecalina. Now, I am so thrilled to have our special guest uh, today. This is somebody that I I guess I first met. So her name really goes along well with uh, show titles. So I first met her when she was doing The Cho Show. And she came to Tranny Shack with Selene Luna. Uh, that was like, gosh, 12 years ago now. Um, and our paths have crossed, but I've never really sat down and talked to her. Of course, I'm talking about Margaret Cho. Hi, Margaret. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm okay. Do, do you remember that the the time at the stud with um, the Cho show? Yeah. Uh, when yeah, that was so much fun. But that's kind of when I first kind of got to know you. And yeah, um, it was so much fun. Yeah, and and now you have um, your own podcast, the Margaret Show. Yeah. You see, you see, you see what I mean about your your name. It really lends itself to titles. <laughs> Yeah, it's very. Exactly. Um, there's so many. The show must go on, and, exactly. and our show, and uh, I love it. <laughs> uh, well, t- uh, do you want to talk about your podcast? I mean, uh, so it's on the Erios Network, and you've had lots of great guests: Melissa Rivers, Quentin Tarantino, Kathy Griffin. Yeah, um, and uh, you've got to come on too. We're on a little bit of a hiatus right now, and um, but it's basically an uh, interview show, and I really love you know. Remember when um, in the in the nineties, or maybe it was the early two thousand. I think it was the nineties. Actually, it was. Um, Whoopi Goldberg's first talk show. Yes. Where she had people on the little couch and it was very low key. And I love the idea of like where you break it down, like break down celebrity and it's very low key. Oh, wow. um, I I think that that's kind of like my hope or thought of like, oh, doing kind of a, um, a show with show, but it's very low key. Or, or like the opposite of a uh, press junket where it's uh-huh. more like very kind of homespun and uh-huh. low, low fi. So that's fun for me. And is it, is it dissecting celebrity and dissecting comedy and dissecting, or is it just, or is it just low key all around? Well, what, what, I, I think it's more just like gossiping, but mm-hmm. also having fun. And it's also just an excuse to hang out with people that I, I don't ever get to see because, you know, it's like, we're usually, even if it's not a pandemic, we're usually, I mean, we're usually kind of just always working. Well, we're speaking like, of which, I, I have never been able to book you. You know how long I've been trying to book you for, like, the Castro Theater and I all know. this stuff? Because because you're always busy. I, I guess I should book you now, but the Castro Theater's closed. Which is so um, sad. It's so weird. <laughs> it is really weird. It's a very weird time. And, uh, and so I wanted to ask you a couple questions. Now, my, uh, being a drag queen, I get asked a lot of the same questions over and over again that I'm sick of answering. And I want to wonder, I wonder if, if as a comedian, you're sick of hearing or being asked about the death of humor and the, the PC culture that's going on right now, <laughs> where, uh, you know, because I feel like I'm constantly being told, like the other day I posted something 
and somebody literally said, this is insensitive. Jokes are not meant to be funny. Jokes are meant to be uplifting. So they, <laughs> they, 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 they literally said jokes are not meant to be funny. And they meant it. <laughs> They were ser- they were serious, you know. So wow. this is this is the climate right now. How do you find? It's kind of a minefield for a comedian, is it? It's interesting. I think it's really um, about having to really approach it with a lot of skill and um, trying to figure out how best to tell it because. What we're left without nowadays is context. I think that's what's happened with comedy is like more and more we're robbed of context because jokes are now being told so much out of context over and over. And that's, you know, usually you could tell jokes and people would get it because they were physically there. And the reason people get offended so easily is because we're telling jokes fourth, fifth, sixth, so many times offhand that you don't know why the joke was being told or what the situation was. So you're, you're getting like a, such a like far iteration from the original intent that you're like, well, that sounds mean or offensive. And it's, there's so many reasons why people get offended and it's like, it's so complicated. So it's very hard to tell jokes. It's hard to tell jokes on social media. It's hard. People don't have a sense of humor either around anything. And it's very, but that's a, that's actually a funny observation that people are saying jokes aren't meant to be funny. (laughs) It was like, this, this is not meant to be funny. It's you're supposed to tell jokes to uplift people. And I'm like, and I'm I'm thinking my favorite jokes are so offensive that they take your, they, they take your breath away like Joan Rivers and stuff. And, um, I think that's the the beauty of comedy is is taking the taboo topic and bringing it out into the open and poking at it like with a stick, you know, and that yeah. takes that takes the power out of it. But um, it's true, I love so. that. And you know, to me, I think that's like the the best way to um, to really uh, approach very taboo topics. But it's also like now it's so hard. But I think. It, it'll get better once we're able to actually physically do comedy. That's the other part of it is that not physically being able to be in a crowded space with people. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a very, very strange time. I know I keep saying that. And this whole podcast that I've done, I started it back in February. So I really only did two episodes that weren't pandemic related. Uh Every, every, every guest I've touched base with has been, it's been the middle of this pandemic. So we're always just talking about it, but um, I I wanted to talk. So I, I checked out your Wikipedia page and you're pretty flayed open in that page. It's like, it's really a lot of like, issues that you're dealing with just in that wikipedia page and one thing that that you said is that you were really tormented a lot as a teenager in school um Mm -hmm. which maybe made you feel like an outsider and do you feel i feel because i was tormented also in um in school and i felt just i feel just as a drag queen and uh as a as a natural outsider i have an affinity for other drag queens for hookers for porn stars for anybody who is kind of on the fringe mm. and i've always noticed that about you you seem to um really uh, have an affinity well most of all for drag queens like like monastat oh, yeah. and stuff like oh, that yeah. so, i mean we love that i love i love the outsiders i love the freaks and 
I love I love the weirdos. You know, I think to me, we really are the interesting people in the world. And they're the people that that I that I want to hang out with. And they're the people that make the best art. And yeah. they're the people that I'm drawn to um, all the time. So it, it's, you know, the, the, those are the artists that I like. And it's the, the what I want to consume are from the outsiders. You know, it's, I'm like an outsider perspective kind of person. Um, so, the, you know, that, that to me is always, but I think everybody is an outsider too, that it's, it's kind of, everybody does feel that way. Um, so it's almost as if we're not that, um, abnormal. I think the people that are, are the, the really, the weird, weird ones are the people who sort of feel like that they belong. That to me is very strange. Well, I, I think you're right. I think when I go home, to visit my family in Minnesota, I look at them as really like aliens because their their life to me seems so, they go to Walmart and they go to their jobs and that's really it, you know, and they go to the bowling and, and, and they look at me like I'm a super freak, which I guess I am, but I don't know. I, I just can, I, I've always, um, you know, there was a great quote in this Judy Garland movie with Renee Zellweger. Judy was saying, you know, that that life hounds people who are different. Um, mm. That they life goes after. Like, if if anybody shows any kind of uh, uh, s- s- steering away from the norm, you get hounded at. Not so much anymore, but definitely when I was growing up, if you sh- if you were different in any way, people could really pick that up on you. And now, of course, all my friends, I I, I don't have any friends who are who lead a normal life, you know, like, uh, if you tell me that you, that you make a living as a porn star, I get it right away. But if somebody tells me they, they make a living downtown doing some weird banking thing, I don't get it, you know? So well, I yeah, guess but that just makes me think, Oh, you just want to get peed on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those people who work in the, the very vanilla jobs, they are always the freakiest ones that want you get peed on not that that's freaky at all even <laughs> no uh, i mean i i think any, anything that doesn't involve children and animals pretty much is okay all that set yeah all the the freaky sex stuff like the peeing on is really normal to me actually actually getting peed on is probably the most normal sex thing well, it's supposed to be very good. It's supposed to be very healthy for you. Good for your skin. Good for your skin. Oh, I, I forgot. Yeah, that's right. You were a dominatrix for a while, huh? Not a very good one. I'm like a really bad, <laughs> I'm a very bad dom. I'm a much better submissive because I'm naturally like a sub. But Yeah, yeah. You know, not, 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 I'm like not, I wish I was a better dominatrix because I would definitely probably be more um, active. I'd be more popular. I, you know, and I also love, like, I want to, I, you know, it was before the pandemic, I was trying to go and learn um, Japanese bondage. And I was going and I was taking workshops with Midori, who lives in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, trying try to take her classes and stuff. And it's really complicated. Is it? All the knots and everything. It's a lot of work. That is a lot of work. I think it's, I mean, yeah, I I guess I'm a sub too, because being a dom is a lot of work. It's a lot of, it's a lot of uh, rope and macrame and and (laughs) stuff everywhere. It's just, I'm too, I can't. I mean, back when I was, I think back when I was younger, I know, I don't think I know that back when I was younger and I was broke, you know how when you're really young, you're always broke. And I was, I tried hooking, uh, 
a couple of times that I was just really bad at it because I can't have sex with somebody I don't want to have sex with. Not not even for money. I can't even get a hard on for it. So um, I, I yeah, yeah, hard. I mean, so, I can be a yeah. hooker, but I just can't top. It's like that to me is like. I, you know, I could definitely be a hooker, but I can like to top it is very like, it's very time. Like it's, it's not only time consuming, but it's energy suck. It's a vampire, you know, it's like a psychic vampires. People so you're a, like, but psychic, psychic, psychic vampires. So you're a pillow princess really is what you're saying. That's right. I oh. am really a pillow princess. I'm um just a real bottom, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> okay you heard it here everybody <laughs> everybody knows <laughs> yeah this is not unknown wait like, this, mark, is very, this is all old news wait mark you knew this well yeah i mean i get around the scene and and margaret has a reputation didn't you used to have a um yeah didn't you used to have like a kind of a reality tv show where you went around the city to different kind of like sex scene stuffs what was that yes that's what that's what i was there for um that that's one of the things that we did on the show show um and uh, w- uh, where we went to Tranny Shack, where, uh, where was one episode? But yeah, for sure, there are so many. Um, and I was I was actually on another reality show where I uh, did um, some sex therapy for uh-huh. people, and then I was on Sex Explained on Netflix, which is actually on there right now, talking about BDSM. And I'm going to be on um, hosting the Folsom Street Fair online this year. That's awesome! Really? Yes. Wow. Oh gosh! So, what do you think about doing shows? I, I'm I'm doing a I've, I'm doing a show. I'm waking up on Saturday morning to to do this virtual race, like where where people aren't really racing, but it's virtual. Mm-hmm. And I, I hosted Pride. I hosted like all these events on my computer. What do you think about all that? I mean, we really there aren't many options right now. But have you done a lot of shows virtually? I think it's great. I really like it. I like the option and I like to watch it. It makes me feel really connected and I'm really glad that we have it. I think it's really good. And I think that it, it's like something that um, people are getting better at and getting used to. I really enjoyed watching Lady Gaga for the um, the VMAs like, because mm-hmm. if anybody can conv- con- kind of conform con- for convert to this sort of format she's of course gonna make it really shine i really love that and i'm mm-hmm. um, gonna make the mask and everything work for her i really loved everything she did with it and so i i think the creativity that's come out of this is really magic and so i do i love the ability to do stuff online i think it's really kind of exciting and and new um so that's what's really great Wow, I, I have I've interviewed everybody in this whole pandemic, and you're the first person who has been so positive about the whole thing. I got to say, for me, it's it's uh, it was exciting at first. It was a new frontier. Then it became, you know, a little bit routine to perform in front of this computer. You know, they're trying to do drag numbers. Although the drag has never been easier. <laughs> it's all you know. It's just it's just from the waist up. You know. I know that's great. It's it's actually that part of it is great. And also um, it, it's kind of like uh, you you can get more out of it in a, in, a, in a weird way. Like you can get more out of an outfit. You can get more a creative and, and it's, just, yeah. it's fun. It's fun to watch, too. Yeah. I love it. Well, I've been doing lots of AA meetings virtually, and I t- it's, it's harder for me even there because I tend to drift off and, and lose focus. But whatever. That's just me. 
Um, yeah, that's a good, that's a good thing though. I'm really glad that all of that recovery stuff has gone online. I think that's really important because this is a good, this is a good time to really get into drugs. <laughs> like that's, I've, I've had a lot of friends who have gone out and, uh, you know, I, I don't know for me because I'm, I'm stuck in these little spaces right now. I'm in my tiny apartment in San Francisco. I would hate to be coked out or, or, on meth, you know, in this little tiny I would apartment. need to have to buy drugs now. That would be really challenging. They could really charge a lot of money for that. Uh, yeah. Oh gosh, I don't. I don't even want to go there. So, yeah, somebody showed up. So, I, I am. I am. I have broken my quarantine for sex, and somebody showed up last week with a meth pipe, like uh, you know. And I was like, you have to get out of here. Like that. That just seems so gross to me. But he's like, he's like, do you want any crystal? And I was like, no, get the fuck out. I don't. Even, I don't even want you in my apartment. That's hard. It's like you know. It's like people are. I think very much like. I think there's like this feeling that, you know, there, there's, we've been stuck in this quarantine for so long, people are really kind of tired of it and almost in denial that it's still happening. Right, right. I know. Yeah, it is. Uh, so I'm, anyway, next topic, because the whole drug thing is getting me, it's triggering me. Triggering. I have to go to an, to go to an AA meeting now. Trigger warning. So, so you and I both are uh, scheduled to perform for Monistat. Oh, Yes. Tell me about your friendship with Monistat, because you know I've known her forever. Yes. Well, I um, have known her. She is really great. And, um, you know, she is, I guess, uh, we would be a house if we had a house, you know. Um, if I had, if I actually were like a formal house, this would be a house. <laughs> the house of Cho. House of Cho. Um, but, uh, yeah, she's really talented and really funny and, and, you know, there's so much that she does. She, she sort of like does everything. Um, uh, ta ta talented and funny. Are we talking about the same monostat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and hopefully like she can keep her name, like Aquafina kept her name. I always thought like, oh gosh, you know, Aquafina is going to get in trouble with the Coca-Colas because, you know, they don't like that their names get, you know, like. Did somebody did somebody yell at Aquafina or try and sue her? No, but I I think that oh. like Monistat does get in trouble for the Procter and Gamble. <laughs> does she? <laughs> yeah, I think the Procter and Gamble tries to come for her name. Like I think that like Aquafina the the spelling is different. So that uh, because I believe that with the with the Q Aquafina is is um trademarked with Coke. Like uh, so they go after you. Yeah, I believe so. But they do go after a monostat, I think, pretty often, especially for her social media text. I don't know. You have to check with her. But from what I remember, that was like something that was happening on social media like before, because, of course, they would want to be able to use the social media tags. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god did you uh, uh, uh wasn't there a reality show that you guys were doing for a minute it was your it was monistat and your parents it was and you on, um it was it was um it was so good it was actually for um the celebrity wife swap she was in our house so we swapped houses actually swapped families so it was Selene and my, my family. So Monistat was in our house mm -hmm. with um, Holly Pete Robinson's mm -hmm. house. Oh. So it was like they stayed here at my house here. Uh, Holly Pete Robinson stayed here. 
and I stayed over at her house, um, which is in um, kind of near the valley, Calabasas, like Deep Valley. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was uh, sort of like the, the kind of switch that they do. Um, so I, I'm not married. So mm-hmm. Selene sort of was my de facto spouse. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, they were uh, they were sort of like having uh, Holly be like the, the, the other spouse. And so, yeah, it was, they fell in love with her they, and they fell in love with everybody. I mean, and Mondstadt was sort of the bad child, the bad girl. That, that, that's very fitting. Yes. Yes. <laughs> She's um, the bad daughter. <laughs> uh, God, I wanted to ask you about um, B. Robin. So that was a big thing for, can you tell us how B. Robin started? B. Robin started when, um, after Robin Williams died, uh, there was this thing of like trying to figure out, you know, what to do. Um, kind of like there's just felt like this weird thing of like, well, should we do something or like San Francisco comedians trying to get together to do something. And then, so I started this, uh, homeless outreach where we would get together and do these shows and Jerry Lawler, who was a big part of, um, Oasis and, um, you know, like hung out with you guys down there and she was a comedian and a theater sports person and just an all around great performer, um, would, would come and she and I put on these shows and we would do, uh, stuff with, um, different musicians and, um, comedians and we would just get out on the street and just do crazy stuff and get a lot of like, uh, food and kind of money and community support together for people who were homeless. And it was like, sometimes we would get some support from different homeless organizations that were like food nut bombs and other places. And sometimes we would uh, get some just, uh, people just giving us stuff to give away. And, um, so we were doing that and there was like a lot of different stuff. We got a lot of support from the city also. Um, and uh, this was like right after, so this is probably uh, 2014. So this is right after he died. So it's like, the, the, this was like a very busy time. And we ended up raising quite a lot of money to do it through uh, GoFundMe. And we gave a lot of it away, but it was really nice. It was really fun to do. And it was like kind of one of the last things that I got to do with Jerry Lawler before she passed away, um, which was really a, a nice thing for us we'd been friends for 40 years so that was really special really for that long yeah yeah really sad you know um that she didn't make it and it's it's a hard thing to to you know think about I don't think she would have done very well in this pandemic you know I think about Jerry now like because she loves people and right and she was never able to really um kind of like socially distance ever right (laughs) Yeah, the thing about Jerry that I, my takeaway for Jerry is that she was always giving so much of herself. I mean, and this is, a lot of people are like this. It was She was giving so much of herself to mm-hmm. other people, but really not taking care of herself. And I remember I did a show with her uh, at, uh, it was a, we did a live version of Friends, and she played, uh, I think, Chandler. Yeah. And, uh, and, but she would have to duck behind the set to puke in the middle of the show because she had this horrible migraine and these pains and she was just in a lot of pain all the time, but she was giving so much of herself all the time. And, um, it was, it was not a shock when she passed away suddenly, but it was definitely, 
I guess it was kind of a shock. I, I don't know. But I was so sad that I was not able to be there at the, uh, the, the tribute to her that you performed at. Um, yeah, it was a, it was really nice that we got to do that at Oasis. And it was really nice that everybody um, that showed up was there. That was really uh, that, uh, that was really special. It was all the people that we grew up with. And, um, you know, that was really a, an exciting thing. Um, I think she would have been really happy. But uh, yeah, like, I think she was such a, a full of life person. It's, it's weird to think of her as um, being gone. I, I just wrote a piece of, about her in this book about San Francisco that's being published. It'll be published next year for Chronicle Books. Um, called, it's called The Mayor of Hate Street. So mm-hmm. I'll, send you, I'll send it to you when it comes out. Um, oh, yeah, I would love that. But uh, yeah, she's uh, it's it's her eulogy, um, mm-hmm. but it's very much like it. it, it you know, it, it's it's hard for me to think about like that she's gone, and I still have I, I I have a really hard time to sort of think about like really making that a real thing because um, she was just so alive. But she always puked all the time. Is like, that is, it, is that right? Kids, she always really? puked. First of all, okay. First of all, I had no idea that you went so far back with her. Second of all, I did not know that her puking was her thing. Her whole life, she, she puked for forty years. Like I don't, you know, just somebody can puke for like ever. Like it's crazy how much she puked. Like whoa, but you know that was just that's just the way. To, that's how it's always been. She wasn't sick. She just puked. That was just the but way that she was. We, we were like. We're it's we're in the middle of a scene, and she she like ducked behind a, the set to puke. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, that's just uh, the way. You know, she just did that. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> so, uh, so obviously, you you know, the homelessness is a big issue for you. You care about it a lot. What do you think about the? I mean, it's just exploded in L.A. and San Francisco. I mean, yeah. Margaret, if if we put you in charge, Margaret, what would you do? Well, I think it's really, um, I think it's, it's something that, uh, it's, it's, there's no easy solutions. Um, part of the problem is that so there's so much, um, redevelopment and and gentrification. So the, um, the, there's the development of high end buildings that are, you know, in lower, you know, traditionally lower rent, in environments and neighborhoods. And so the rents go sky high, you know, they buy up all this mm-hmm. property and then they redevelop it. And they, the original tenants can't afford it, of course. Right. And so then they, they leave people like with no place to go it, except, you know, like out on the street. And then it's just such a, it's a cycle that just, I don't know what to do. And it's really scary because especially now with COVID I don't know how these people are managing and there's such a huge population of young people out there and um, LGBTQI youth, which is really upsetting. Um, So it's, it's very, it's, it's, it's very serious. It's very tough. And, you know, there's a, there's a a major, there's been, you know, decades, decades long problem with it in San Francisco. Right. But when I, when I moved to San Francisco, I was living in Iceland and I read tales of the city and I was like, I'm going to move to San Francisco and lead that life. And I moved here and I got a job at tower video and I earned a minimum wage and I was able to do it. 
because mm-hmm. San, San Francisco was different back then. I was able to still party every night. I did, you know, I didn't eat a whole lot, but I didn't care because I was 23. And um, and I think a lot of kids try. They move to San Francisco or LA or New York with that dream in mind of doing that, and you just can't do it anymore. And they fall through the cracks. And um, so I think maybe the only silver lining, well, one of the few silver linings of the whole COVID thing is that people are fleeing the cities. Rent prices are going down, but um, but yeah, it's a, you're right. There's no easy answer to it. Yeah, with San Francisco, it was a, a different issue with um, the tech boom and well, the different phases of it. Yeah. And it became a different city. It used to be sort of this weird colony for artists and freaks and mm-hmm. homosexuals and um, political refugees, kind of. Right. Right. Yeah. No. You any, know? And. Then it sort of turned because it was like it was a sort of also like a port city for people who were, uh, you know, like kind of in the armed forces who realized that they were gay and like didn't want to go home. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And rent seemed to hover around three hundred dollars for a really long time. You could rent a a room. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All sorts of things. I remember I was living uh, for uh, it was at the end of the 80s. um, off of the panhandle, um, kind of r- right across the panhandle from Jerry's apartment. Um, and I was, uh, uh I was a hundred, $125 a month. Oh my God. Yeah. Can you imagine in a Victorian? That's so crazy. I remember, I remember I had this like, yeah, my rent was like $300 and I, for a long time. And then I, I got my own, my first apartment in the Tenderloin been in the mid nineties and it was $500. And I was like, wow, I hope I can, hope I can manage this rent, you know, <laughs> it's so crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy, but it's like kind of, um, there, there was also the rent control, which I think that, um, a lot of legislation took care of. So I think when that was abolished, that really, made it possible for all these different things to come in. And, you know, so that's pushed a lot of the artists out. Oh, gosh. Okay, yeah, there's no easy answer to it. But like I said, the prices are going down a little bit. But anyway, um, speaking of real estate, I bought a house down in Palm Springs. I'm actually leaving San Francisco. I'm packing up and going to move down there full time. Selena lives down there. Yes. Do, do you uh, do you see much of Selena these days? I talk to her a lot, but I have uh, I was there um, not too long ago, but um, I haven't I haven't like actually physically seen her in a bit. But I I definitely, of course, miss her a lot. But I, I do talk to her often. Mm-hmm. Um, but she loves it there. They're, they're really thriving. They're really enjoying themselves. Yeah, she lives in the same trailer park as some friends of mine. It's really beautiful there. All our friends live there. All that's sort of like where all of the um, Silver Lake gays have gone. Mm-hmm. They all have moved there, which I think is I think it's right. You know, I mean, I think it's it's a it's a great place to live. And it's kind of like where all our friends are. It's really where you would go. Um, it's it, you would end up seeing your friends more there than you would in L.A. or New York or San Francisco. No, it's true. And there's, it's somehow, it's more of a thing like, um, you know, if somebody wants to come visit me in San Francisco, there's nowhere for them to stay. I, I can't yeah. be like, I, I'm not like, sure, you can crash here. I can't. But in in Palm Springs, I have three bedrooms. I'm like, it's, it's much easier to to welcome people 
<laughs> and socialize for some reason. I don't know. There's space and, and there's just air to breathe and there's room and there, it's the desert and it's, you know, it's lovely. Have, have you done lots of shows there? I have. I have. Um, I actually just worked there uh, like a month ago um, doing some stuff and it's just, it's so hot. Oh so my God. The thing that's kind of freaky, but then you're inside all the time because it's just like, and then you just wear a caftan, you're fine. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, so I want to talk, switch gears a little bit and talk. How have you, I'm just assuming, how have you remained remained so not bitter about Hollywood after some of your experiences? So and I, specifically, I want to talk about your sitcom. Um, now, I know do people bring this up with you a, a lot. Like there was a lot of, you're too Asian, you're not Asian enough, okay. you know, all this stuff. You had a lot of, white people telling you how to act. Yeah. But then it's also like, I think you can, you you know, it can be read a lot of ways. And, you know, I think that anybody can be super bitter about any kind of experience in Hollywood. It's a tough business, but I'm really grateful that I can still work in it, you know, mm -hmm. and I've been around and worked for, gosh, 35 years or something, you know, that's a long time for any career. And I still enjoy it. So I, I try to look at the bright side of things. And, you know, and I also still really love my life. And, you know, I almost died doing so many drugs. And that's like the really dark part of my life. Like the, the hideous part of my life is all the stuff that I've done to myself. Right, right. Know? So it's like, everything that I've done to myself is like what I should be really upset about. All the other stuff is like, oh, <laughs> that's no big deal. Like that's nothing to be bitter about. Like show business is like, I'm, I'm really grateful for everything that's happened in show business. And I, I, I still really have a good time working and I, I, I really enjoy myself. Yeah. You know, I, I have to agree with you. I, uh, I've done a lot of harm to myself over the years with cocaine, with meth, with all this stuff. And, uh, that I can control. Uh, I, I can't control what other people do. And I am also extremely grateful to be able to make a living. Of course, my income has been majorly fucked with this um, pandemic. But yeah, that's uh, really hard. I mean, that's the thing is like, I really want to work. I mean, but it's not just my income. It's just like my mental health. Like I really feel like I get a lot emotionally from doing shows. And so that's what I, I really miss is doing shows. Are you happy on stage when you're in front of an audience? Yeah, I really love it. And I, I didn't realize how much I did until that was gone. I had really gotten burnt out on it. Like I left Oasis, you know, I bought Oasis and then I sold my share of it. I was like, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of hosting these drag shows. And then the pandemic happened and I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, let me in front of an audience again. Yeah, it's so fun. <laughs> it's fun unless, unless, you know, almost if, uh, I think anything that you do can become work, you know. Yeah, of course. Of course. It's all, it, it's all, it can all be um, tedious. Mm -hmm. But then when you really, uh, when you really miss it, then you know, like, oh, I was meant to do this. Like, I really should be focused on this. And so when we get back to it, we'll really love it. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I think that I was really meant to be uh, in front of people hosting drag shows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's really a good. Uh, God, that's you're so wise, Margaret. How did yeah. it happen? <laughs> yeah, you have such a good attitude. Yes. <laughs> um, well, tell me. Uh, you know, I, I have obviously I'm a drag queen. I have my people who kind of influenced me. Some drag queens, you know, like Lady Bunny and the New York, the New York drag queens, but also. I drew from cinema, from cult movies, from rock and roll, all that stuff. 
what are some of your influences for your comic uh, comic stylings and or what comics have have influenced you? Oh, I love Lady Bunny too. I really laughed at um I laughed so hard at their uh, dry ass pussy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh god. That was so funny and I mean I I I I was like, I wish the one thing, the one joke they didn't make, which was like, I wish they would had put in, there's some boars in this house. Oh my God. <laughs> there's some boars in this house. Oh my God. And you know, she could have put that yeah. loop in because that would have been the perfect. She calls me all the time to try jokes out on me. Does she do that to you? Do you, do you uh, talk to her? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And she sent me some crazy meme today, but yeah, she's, uh, she's a, a hilarious. And I she think she uses. So funny. I think she she's an incredibly smart person who uses the uh, the being crazy and acting stupid as a barrier uh, from from real stupid people. Oh yes, um, yeah. Um, but but are anybody like you know? Uh, I talked about Joan Rivers. Like, were you influenced at all by Joan Rivers or Phyllis Diller or yeah, any of that very stuff? Much so. mm-hmm. Very much so. And um, I think uh, Don Rickles and Richard Pryor and. Um, Certainly, uh, I think, I think, yeah, those are probably the major ones. Um, the, uh, I think Joan probably the most though, um, of anyone. I think when I saw Joan Rivers, like when I was a kid, I was like, I want to be her. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, and I, you know, I, I saw her a few times and I was just like, just watching her on stage she was doing a workshop in, in New York where she would come out for free every Tuesday just to workshop material. And mm. I, and, and I would go to that and just watching, watching her go. I saw Phyllis Dillard too, right before she died. Oh, and she um, yeah, she was fantastic. She, uh, I had a bottle of her old medication of, um, I think it's a diuretic. Oh, <laughs> I have a bunch <laughs> of her old medication. Um, do you know, Jason Messier. Yes. Yeah. He did a, a portrait of um, different female comedians. Well, it's a portrait of Joan Rivers, but it's it's with different female comedians garbage and some of the garbage is of Phyllis Diller. And so I have some of the detritus of Phyllis and oh, wow. all her old pill bottles. And it's just it's just like these pills of hers, which is so funny to have. And it just says Phyllis Diller on the bottle. And um, it's so funny. But she was great. She was a mean lady. I mean, but I love I loved her. Oh, she was mean in person. Um, yeah, yeah but you wanted you wanted to be mean. You know, she's an yeah, old. Of course, kid. yeah, yeah. Please and be mean. Rickles, he was very nice underneath it, but mm-hmm. just crotchety, mean. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Joan was um, Joan. You know, she well, they're all crotchety, and and they're you know what? It's their right. <laughs> they paid their dues. Joan was really soft, though. Joan, Joan was like actually really a very soft, gentle person underneath all of that like bluster. Mm-hmm. She was really kind and kind of a whispery like woman. You know, it's kind of it's it's really interesting how different she was in person. Right. But, uh, yeah, I loved her. I found that, um, that I really only trust people who can be cunts. Yeah. And, and, and because if, if you can't be a cunt, there's something about you that I don't trust. If, if you're just nice on the surface all the time, you know, mm-hmm. um, but going back to Jason Messier, this is interesting. So when I first moved to San Francisco, Jason Messier was in a band called Enrique. Yeah. And 
with Darcy, who was, who was my business partner at Oasis. They were in Enrique together. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Jason was my first boyfriend in San Francisco. Okay. And, and he started doing bean and noodle art while we were boyfriends. Uh-huh. And, and I would wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and I'd step on like noodles and, and cut and cut my feet. And I'd be like, and I'd be, would you quit? I was like, would you quit this fucking bean and noodle art? It's not it's never going to go anywhere. <laughs> and, 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 then it became, <laughs> then, and now I have a bean and noodle artwork of, of Heclina here in my apartment. Oh, that's so nice. I know he's very talented. He's great. You know, they um, have that big, they have a huge, uh, they used to have a huge, um, uh, Honey Boo Boo at the TLC offices that was made all out of pork products. Oh my God. That was really huge. It was really crazy. Um, what, I, I mean, there, there's just so many of them that I, I think are really incredible. He, uh, they were always super, their house was like a shrine to the seventies. It was like Charlie's angels, pinball machines and three's company wallpaper. And yeah. it was very, very, uh, kitsch very 70s kitsch and it was really kind of great yeah it's so cool but that was the big thing when i moved here was 70s you remember the the 70s explosion in the early 90s yes i wonder what it is if it's it's like i wonder now is it the 90s yeah it's kind of like um everything is like 20 years in the past you know how like in the 80s everybody was all about paisley's and the 60s and the 90s it was all 70s and then, um, yeah, it's like 20 year cycles. Yes. It, in, in the seventies, we were watching happy days and you know, talking about the fifties anyway, whatever. I think you get, you get what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I guess that's all I wanted to ask you about, but there's one more important question I want to ask you. And this is the most important question. Yeah. What Margaret Cho is your favorite memory of Heclina? Um, my favorite memory of Heclina is your chair that has your face on it at Oasis. <laughs> painted with your face. And every time I sit on it, I feel bad because it's a really beautiful painting of your face and it's so detailed and your mouth is wide open. Well, it's, yeah. Say, Should I sit right on this? And there's no other place to sit. Right, right, right. But I think I'm just going to sit on it. I sit right on your face every time. I have so many people have taken so many photos of themselves sitting on my face. It's on that such chair. a funny, such a funny chair. I, I hope you never took that chair home. No, I don't know. Um, I don't think it would fit into my Palm Springs house mm. uh, aesthetically. So I'm just going to leave that. I'm going to gift that chair to uh, Oasis. <laughs> To you the universe. To the you have to send it to what the uh, the Lorraine and Ed Warren Museum, so they have to hang it on the the wall so that nobody sits in it. Like, well, it was originally, it. yeah, it, it was originally a piece of art that hung up in a in an art gallery, and yeah. then and then the woman uh, who who made it, she gave it to me because of course it didn't sell. Nobody wanted <laughs> a chair with my face. It's so good. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Uh, well, thank you, Margaret Cho. Oh, wait. Fresh off the bloat tour. So your shows are scheduled for January 2021. That's right. They're all everything is moved and it's international. So I'll be going all over the world, um, all over Asia and Australia and um, in Europe. And yeah, so but it'll be next year. 
Can you tell the listeners a little bit what to expect when you're able to go to real live shows? Well, we'll, or- probably, we'll probably talk about all of the things that happened this year um, with everything, uh, everything that went down. So it's it's sort of as to be to be continued, to be announced, to be to be to be ter- to be determined. Well, there you have it, listeners. Margaret Show is making the pandemic work for her. That's she's right. Su- she's surprisingly chipper and perky. <laughs> and uh, and has a positive outlook. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? But you've been uh, you've been very yeah, it's, it's it's been a big inspiration to me, Margaret. I'm going to start the day tomorrow with a different attitude towards things. Good. Um. Well, thank you, Margaret Show. Thank you. Uh, wh- what is the best way for people to follow you and keep up with what you're working on? People can find me um, on platforms, uh, Twitter at Margaret Cho. I am Margaret underscore Cho at the Instagram and um, margaretcho.com online and um, at Margaret Show everywhere else. Okay. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Hecklina. Please be sure to subscribe to the show, like us, rate us, and please tell anyone you can about Drag Time with Hecklina. This was episode 21. Check out our website and create some comments on past episodes you liked. Please donate so Mark can keep the podcast going. And once again, thank you, Margaret Show, And thank you, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.